0: Before we begin, please refer to the disclaimer and link in the podcast notes, and note that all opinions expressed in this podcast are intended for informational purposes only and should not be treated as investment or financial advice. XRP is not
1: a security. Well, that's the recent news from a recent court filing in the US. Because of this, the altcoin market has rallied with a fervor. We discuss all this and more in today's Collective Shift weekly recap, actionable insights and a breakdown into the crypto market, all in under 30 minutes just for you. We'll start with the market update, followed by the Ripple news. Matt, what does the market look like?
0: Thanks, Leon. Another green week for the crypto market with BTC up 0.5% the last seven days, ETH is up 4.0% and XRP is back up to number three in the overall rankings. And it has climbed by 60% in the past seven days and a big reason why we'll get into soon. But overall, if I had to recap just just in one sentence the last week, I would say more of a a trend towards risk on sort of the altcoins in the crypto market. And I guess another way of looking at that is a decrease in Bitcoin's dominance, which we've talked about many times this has been one of the stories of 2023. And we saw quite a strong reversal in that in the last week for reasons that we'll uh, get to pretty soon. But that's all that's going on in the markets. We've seen a bit of a retrace there on the screen for those watching on YouTube as well. Seen a bit of a retrace after about three days ago or so when, when you know all prices were rallying you know, very, very strongly and over the weekend uh, and even onto Monday, a bit of a retrace. So looking forward to yeah, getting into what was a, a very big news week.
1: Yeah, that's right, Matt. Let's go on onto the big news week. Thank you very much for the market update. And it is quite natural to have a retrace after we've rallied quite significantly. Um, but it's the big news of the week, Matt and Nick, my friends, this has been like a breath of fresh air in the crypto market. This is the SEC and Ripple decision. It's finally come down, right? Uh, it's some great news out there, but I'm going to let you guys cover it. What is all the fuss about in the market? Why has the market gone up so much? What's the news with SEC and
0: Ripple? Yeah, sure, Leon. So over the past um, you know, few years, there's been this very large case in the in the crypto space to do with uh, Ripple. So they're founded in 2012, one of the oldest crypto companies in the world. And there was a big court ruling that came out last week. So just before we get into that, of course, just a reminder that we aren't lawyers by any means, but we have been following this for a number of years, uh, very loosely, intermittently. But there were, uh, I guess it was the talking point of crypto for, you know, quite a while over the weekend. So what actually happened was that a court or a judge, uh, you know, handed down their ruling uh, to do with SEC versus Ripple, um, basically to really, you know, what was SEC arguing? They they sued Ripple in December 2020, basically arguing that, hey, you, you guys, you Ripple people did not like register with us, the SEC. Uh, you you didn't you know say that you were going to sell these alleged what we say are securities so that's what sort of the legal battle was over whether XRP the token sort of tied to Ripple uh, is in fact a security and this has been going on for several years we finally got that decision and it was a bit of a uh, sort of a mixed a mixed bag that we saw uh, on Friday so yeah the as it, the judge came out and said well in some cases uh, XRP is yeah you know, can be considered a security in in the judge's opinion and then in some other cases um sort of yeah the the xrp is not a security uh one sort of surprising uh takeaway uh for some particularly for the sec the sec had been arguing that hey these these token or this particular token xrp is in fact is a security sort of in and of itself it sort of embodies the sort of characteristics of of a security, um, and therefore, you know, that's it, that's the end of the argument. What the judge actually came out and said was that, no, uh, this token is not in and of itself a security. It, it, it's, it must be considered in sort of the the circumstances of each individual sort of transaction. Um, and that sort of then got that out of the way, and then in their ruling they sort of went through three examples of each type of transactions that, that Ripple Labs, the entity was was sort of, you know, transacting and doing, and they broke down each three of those. Some of them were securities, some of them were not securities. So, you know, it did get a bit technical, but it was something, I suppose, that had been one of the most significant pending legal battles in the whole, you know, in the crypto market in general. And we finally got uh, like close to a judgment. Of course, now that can go on to, you know, appeal and there is some parts of this that are going to go to trial. Um, but it really did, you know, move the market, and there was a lot of other ramifications that um, I'm sure Nick can speak to as well. Yeah, just to add in there, I think that one of the biggest
2: takeaways was how mixed I think the the ruling was, and even looking on Twitter myself, uh, looking for those like sort of expert legal opinions to see what a lot of these policy people and you know lawyers out there defending these crypto companies how they were perceiving this. And my big takeaway was that there was no unanimous answer here, which you know, is a real interesting sign and potentially a uh, indicator that it really shows that how uh, confused the whole market is about the whole situation and whether this is actually going to take, I guess, an act from the US Congress to come in and step in and clarify all these rules and confusion. Because as we can see, there's no unilateral opinion on, on on what's going on here. And, you know, some are taking it with a different angle while others will sort of frame it in a different light. So yeah, I don't know, Ka- Caitlin Long, she's got a great tweet out there that maybe we will attach to to the pod, you know, who comes out and said just that um, maybe it's the act of Congress that might need to happen now that there's so much confusion out there in the market. A really good
1: uh, high level summary of the whole situation. Thanks guys. But I've got two questions I really want us to ask. One of them I can probably answer myself, which is why was this such significant news? Well, I mean, this is kind of like a, a groundbreaking uh, decision in the U.S. court system that could have a long ramifications for the entire crypto market. Um, so like, that's just, it's a little bit significant. You know, we should keep on track of it. But my next question that I really want to know or, you know, that our listeners want to know out there is how bullish actually is this news for the crypto market? Now, Nick, you were saying that uh, the consensus on this is actually, um, you know, split across. Some people are saying, yes, it's good. Some people know it's good. Obviously, the yes people will say it's going to be bullish for Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of the other cryptocurrencies. Now, I want to get your opinion. Matt, Nick, do you think this news is actually bullish for the market at all?
0: Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, overall, the, the only circumstance, I would say I'm leaning slightly towards bullish and probably the, the most bullish outcome of this would be if it accelerates the time, the time that it takes to get some legislation through Congress, like this, you know, in a very ideal scenario, this outcome that has been very mixed and has proven how sort of technical this all is and how it, it, if this continues without any re- legislation, it, it, we're going to have hundreds of these cases where one individual judge in one district has to determine whether something is or is not a security uh, the ideal scenario here is that it accelerates and helps some lawmakers realize the need to, you know, to, you know, debate some legislation and ideally, you know, ratify and actually sign off on some legislation. So if that did happen and it happened in a way that the crypto industry was sort of happy with, particularly in the US, uh, then then it, I would say that would ultimately be very bullish for the crypto market. Um I'm not sure if you had any, any other you know, comments there, Nick, on...
2: Uh, I would probably, um, as you spoke, Leon, about whether this was you know positive or negative, I actually think the confusion is probably positive in the long run because it really shows that uh, maybe the state of the SEC, like it's not a shambles, but it's close to it, I think, that there's clearly no uh, you know, unilateral um, understanding of an agreement between all these different entities and all the different market participants. Who are screaming out for, uh, you know, laws and clarity? Whereas I think Gary Gensler, used the see you know, the the chair of the SEC, you know, has come out and he said in the past few months that, you know, there is no clarity problem in the market; it's a compliance problem, which I think this ruling really shows that there is a lack of clarity problem in the market. So I think that's actually positive that there's so much confusion in the market, and it re- should really accelerate this, in, in my opinion, because there's a lot of I think money and um, people who probably want to get involved, whether you're in an institution, whether you're a bank, um, to get involved in offering these things to people. But, you know, at the moment it's just such an unattainable thing to offer and get involved in with so much uncertainty.
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective, Nick. And you brought in Gary Gansler there as well. And I generally think this news probably hasn't been going too well for him, right? For the last couple of months and even a year, he's been uh, uh showing a position of strength, you know, and saying you guys, we have the regulation out there. You just need to come in and, and get it sorted like everything else. But now the court is ruling against him. So that's kind of like a ding against his a position of authority. So I, I wondered, I'm i really interested to see how Gary Gesler pushes back on this, see if he's going to double down on the rest of the regulation and clarity and say, you guys really need to come in and we're going to sue you again. I, I'm just interested. This is really interesting news. I want to I keep updated on it um i think, thanks a lot matt nick this is kind of a complex um uh, evolving situation in the news so i i trust you guys to keep us on top of it and we'll we'll uh, definitely let everyone in the community know as well if there's something really specific we think you need to know about but but for now i think my friends let's go on to the rest of the news which is going to be about google play now google play is kind of an in, or google itself is an industry player in the mobile space they have their own Play stores called Google Play, and they have you know policies in place to try and protect consumers. Now, they've recently come out with a policy on digitized um, uh, tokens, uh, uh, tokenized digital assets, sorry. So, Nick, I know you have the scoop on this. Can you elaborate a little bit more on this for us?
2: Yeah, this one was a really uh, positive news story again. And uh, Google Play, they come out and they said that they would sort of allow developers to uh, uh, offer these sort of NFT or digital assets Sort of in the apps if they adhere to particular guidelines with uh, Google Think Play's product manager, he come out and had some uh, pretty interesting quotes. I think from the, from CoinDesk who was reporting the news, and he said sort of quote traditional games with user-oriented content and it'll boost uh, user loyalty through unique through unique NFT rewards and how this is going to reimagine games. So really positive uh, step forward, especially because the mobile space has been so confused especially with uh, different um, opinions whether you're apple whether you're google in how nfts and crypto are offered in apps so this is really a really big statement and i'm really excited to see how many games kind of come out and offer these nft experiences in the apps
0: yeah nice nick i think um with relation to sort of their gaming and, and nfts you know would your sort of overall reaction be you know is this is this bullish, bearish or neutral sort of in the short term, or like how are you sort of feeling about seeing this news?
2: Uh, I'm very positive just because from what I'm seeing a lot online is that there's a lot of uncertainty between when you're trying to as a crypto developer or you know a crypto company, whether you're gonna offer stuff in you know the App Store or the Google Play Store that there's high fees attached to it, and a lot of the times you can't actually create. The experience or you know the the app that you want to so i think this actually might put some pressure on apple because apple's got a very uh very strict policy on exactly what they allow in their app store because they're such a, a wall garden and hopefully this can sort of um, kickstart this sort of mobile first experience of using nfts and crypto in know you know much more easier fashion considering how dominant mobile gaming is Well,
1: awesome there, uh, Nick. Matt, thank you very much for uh, covering that story for us. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's still go on on to our next topic, which is going to be some of the key takeaways that we've actually gotten from a mid-year crypto developer report. So over a collective shift, we'd like to keep our members and users informed about crypto. Developers are a major uh, infrastructure kind of component in regards to crypto. They keep the ecosystems running, but the chains that we use upgrades to Ethereum, the merge, all of this stuff—it comes from developers. Now there is a major developer report. So, uh, Matt, Nick, can you tell us a little bit more, more about this developer report and why is it so important?
2: I, I'm going to take this one. This is uh, from Electric Capital, who's one of the most predominant VCs uh, out there, and they've also got this mid-year uh, this constant developer report, which I know it's me and Matt's uh, one of our favorite reports, and they've recently. Come out and doing this month by month now, and they come out with a half-year report where they look at total uh, full-time developers in the ecosystems, and they really go through about fifteen to about fifty different blockchains out there. One of the biggest t- takeaways here was that the monthly active developers fell about twenty-two percent year over year to about twenty-one thousand. So we did see a notable decline in what would be, you know, the bear market and a lot of these crypto developers who made the move potentially not being shaken out by the market, but may have lost interest and sort of left the industry where there's more uh, interesting areas such as, you know, the big AI wave and a lot of people may be pivoting to creating different products outside of crypto. But yeah, not all doom and gloom though, because we did see that if we look at the long-term chart, you know, that crypto developers are still uh, here in waves, especially if we look from 2020. And there were some actual uh, ecosystems which saw some nice upticks one uh and a handful of being aptos, uh Aztec, Celestia, which is going to be coming out later this year,
0: and Optimism saw some good growth. Yeah, I think just to double down on on what, what Nick said about the importance of, of this uh yeah this report, I think I often do tell people this this is arguably it, it sometimes I view this as is the single most important metric, like personally, when from well from someone who's investing in this space, and even someone who's working full time in this space, I think if this was just down only, or like had, if this graph or this metric had been plateauing for several years, I, I suspect I would have left this space. I, I what has kept me through it in these bear markets is seeing such strong growth in this metric, uh, which really is a signal, strong, strong signal to me that there is actually fundamentally something that is. You know, interesting from these developers' perspectives in terms of using blockchain technology and smart contracts to you know actually create things uh, that simply cannot exist in the real in the traditional markets or industries, or they are either an existing process in the traditional markets or industries, and blockchain or smart contracts you know make that you know an improvement. So it's a clear signal to me that the potential is there, and the developers are seeing this. Um, and for me, like it is one that. I strongly, strongly follow. I, I put it above many other more popular metrics that a lot of people look at, such as total value locked uh, and and some other metrics out there. So really good, uh, really good to always follow this. We'll of course put this uh, in, in the show notes below, and one to always just just be on the lookout for from electric Capital. All right. Thanks, Nick
1: and Matt, for covering that news for us. We've got some extra news to keep you on, tra- on track of crypto because that's what we do here over at Collective Shift. Now, we've got some news coming out from Polygon. Nick, can you tell us what's happening with the Polygon? They're trying to uh, you know, uh, do some new token or something?
2: This is what I heard. What, what is it about? Yeah, this one's uh, not too much to report on immediately because it's still in the very early stages of being proposed. Uh, but something to definitely look out for in the coming weeks and months so Polygon one of the biggest crypto uh, players in the ecosystem they're proposing to change their MATIC token uh, and upgrade it and change it to the POL token this sort of Polygon token in a bit to unite all of its different products and different networks that is under the Polygon banner and sort of realign um, you know their new token so this one's got a lot going for it but also a, a lot of interesting uh changes that potentially may cause a lot of debate when it's being proposed, you know, such as things like changing the potential max supply, uh, you know, with a one percent inflation. So it's going to go from potentially a token, you know, that is a very, you know fixed maximum supply to something that you know is almost um, infinite and unlimited just by one percent. So I think this one's going to one that we're going to report on soon for our members. So one to pay attention to for sure.
1: Yeah, awesome, man. Um, a- a- and um, I know there is some other news as well with Coinbase. Uh, going live with uh, builders for something. So Coinbase is releasing their kind of layer two or their own chain, let's just call it, called Base. Now, Nick, what's the news there? We talked about it previously in other podcasts
2: before, but what are they doing now? What's the, what's the update? Yeah, this one's one of my favorite things this year so far is that uh, it was arguably one of the biggest launches this year. And it's as you said, it's Coinbase's own Ethereum-like network. This is open to builders right away, and it's going to go open to the public sometime in August. I'm not sure there's a specific date there, but I think the you know the, the average Joe will be able to interact with Coinbase's new chain uh, in a month or so. Uh, it's just so important because Coinbase has, I think, 90 million registered verified users on their platform. You know, they custody billions of dollars of assets. So I'm seeing this as a potentially uh, really interesting uh, thing for Coinbase to onboard a lot of people in the space safely, especially with a lot of confusion on how to, you know, on ramp and off ramp in the space. And we've also got to consider that um, Coinbase has enormous resources that they're fueling into Ethereum, and it's a huge, I think, win for you know legitimacy for Ethereum that one of the biggest public companies is aligning themselves with Ethereum.
1: Yeah, it's super interesting, and I myself, I want to play on that uh, base chain as well. I want to see if there's going to be the whole DeFi ecosystem because it's going to be a more centralized, um, you know, chain. It's built by one company, Coinbase. They're US regulated, and they might have some uh, uh, questions that they have to answer. They have, they might have some answers they have to question. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, But let's move on, friends. Let's talk about um, some bankruptcy updates um, that has recently come out. So. Uh, you know everyone knows uh, Celsius it was a lending kind of lending as well as an earn application that you get on your phone they touted themselves as being one of the uh, safest places in crypto to earn Um, of course it wasn't uh, like this and the CEO currently Alex Mashinsky he has been arrested now currently now why does this actually matter for you guys we do get a bit of closure when it comes to the 2022 Uh, really discourse times that we had it was really like the hairy jungle out there in 2022 and we get a bit of closure now Uh, but that's just uh, one person being um, uh, arrested in regards to other bankruptcy news as well we have is FTX which was the other big kind of red flag the big uh, 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 events that happened uh, a while ago and what's happened now is that you can now go ahead and lodge your claims for the FTX account you might have had. So if you had funds in FTX, either Solana, USDC, whatever you had, Bitcoin, it is possible you might be able to get some back. That's according to the rest of the uh, proceedings that will come from the bankruptcy. But for now, you can go ahead and lodge your claims. Follows the same process. uh, We might leave a link for you down in the description for you below. Now, it just means you might get a fraction of your money back. We'll have to wait and see. You just got to tell them that you're there. That's it for now. Now, let's move on to the rest of the news we have, something that is either overappreciated or underappreciated in the market now. We have uh, Matt with us uh, talking about some Europe, uh, uh, some spot Bitcoin ETFs coming out from Europe. So, Matt, what's that news about?
0: Yeah, sure. So, all the coverage seems to be about the US and then the spot Bitcoin ETFs that we talked about uh, last month mainly. Uh, That's ongoing. But in Europe, they're actually uh, on the verge of launching their first uh, spot Bitcoin ETF. So this was actually approved in 2021. 2022, they put it on ice. And then this issuer is now getting ready to launch it. Uh, Similarly, we've seen in Australia uh, the registration or the application for what would be the country's first uh, sort of licensed uh, spot Bitcoin ETF. So just something you can get on the ASX through you know, your ComBank app or another sort of broker app. Um, and if it were to be approved, yeah, it would be available for retail investors. Just a quick reminder, why what is, what is this significant? We do have Bitcoin ETFs at the moment, lots of them in Europe, even some in Australia. Uh, yeah, they're, all of them to date have been uh, futures ETFs where, you know, you might be buying the Bitcoin ETF units of that ETF, but really it does not directly impact the the you know demand or, or supply demand supply dynamics of Bitcoin itself or physical Bitcoin if you will. Uh, so this is why a spot Bitcoin ETF is seen as you know the holy grail or, or relative relative to futures ETF, it's seen as far superior and something that, you know, would have the potential to actually really you know, enforce a sort of supply crunch on available Bitcoin um, and all else being equal, that would then drive up the price of Bitcoin. So that's why people often again, are getting very excited about spot Bitcoin ETFs. Um, and it was just notable here that I did see this in recent days where you've got Europe, Australia, both you know, potentially, oh, well, Europe definitely is about to launch their spot Bitcoin ETF. But in Australia, exciting news that we got the first you know, application for a spot Bitcoin ETF. So yeah, exciting news. And there is always things going on outside of the US. Yeah, that's really exciting. I, I like the whole idea be- behind the supply crunch.
1: As soon as, you know, uh, coins start leaving the exchange, we're about to 11% or something circulating supply on the exchange at the moment. So, you know, when, that, when those coins go off the exchange, where are you going to buy it? You'll have to pay a higher price for it. And that's just supply dynamics happening uh, on the exchanges. But uh, awesome to know, Matt. Thank you so much. Nick, what, what uh, kind of information do you have?
2: Something that you really liked this week? Uh, something I really piqued my interest this week was discussions around some alternative uh, layer one blockchains, you know, such as your Solanas, who are, um, you know, the place to build your cryptocurrency dApps on. So we saw a lot of these gain a lot of traction in the last bull market, and they all, you know, attained quite hofty valuations and a lot of interest. We're actually seeing now one name, which is Salo, which is sort of a smaller blockchain, sort of more forgotten about, didn't really carve out a particular, you know, demand in itself they've come out and proposed uh, to sort of realign themselves with ethereum and become one of these ethereum like networks uh like we talked about with coinbase's base so this is something that um, i think is going to get a lot of talking points in the coming weeks as they potentially make this move and i'm really wondering whether we're going to see more of these uh blockchains and all these teams that have left ethereum in previous years as ethereum starts to scale and you know retains those users whether these networks are going to try and come back and build back on them because although their native tokens have you know, really done poor, they struggle with users themselves. So this is a sort of theme and narrative that is quietly developing. And I'm wondering if we're going to see more of this in the coming months and year.
1: Yeah, it is quite unfortunate. These teams do have to pivot and come back to where everyone else is having fun, which turns out to be the Ethereum uh, blockchain and then become a, a layer two on the Ethereum blockchain itself. So uh, that's, that's the unfortunate thing that happens, Nick, right? Some of these tokens and some of these blockchains, they will not survive the onslaught, whereas too much competition. And so they do have to kind of adapt to survive, which is quite unfortunate. Now, um, the thing I wanted to share with the rest of the group and if you're listening over at home is, did you know there's currently around about 274 days until the Bitcoin halving, right? So have you made your plans for what may happen immediately before or immediately after maybe even one year after the bitcoin halving have you looked at the charts what typically predates this what typically comes before this do you have a solid entry plan do you have a solid exit plan now you're going to make sure you check out the collective shift resources we have if you haven't already if you're just listening uh, book a one-to-one strategy call and come and chat to us so you can make your own crypto strategy bitcoin halving is very soon upon us so you have to have a plan okay that's the only way you survive in the market And with that being said, I think we'll leave it there, my friends. That is a wrap for this week. If you're looking for more insights, make sure you check out the revamped weekly Shift newsletter. It provides free market insights every Friday. Subscribe at collectiveshift.io forward slash newsletter. That's collectiveshift.io forward slash newsletter. We'll see you very soon.